wasn't a goose. That's my wife. And then everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, that's, and that's how we enter into this episode. So welcome back, everybody, to Infinity Content. You know, that podcast where half the population may have not survived the snap of Grimace's Golden Glove. But all that sweet, sweet content that we read, uh, three of us here, is still around. So we're going to continue to enjoy that. Um, as always, I'm joined by my two good friends, Roman Stadler. How are you doing? Hello, I'm doing good, except except after the snap, my comic collection disappears. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's horrible. Living, breathing comics. Oh, it sounds like it would be like really moist if you were to grab them. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a really sad goodbye, like you, you're watching them go. It's like the scene when you're like seeing like, yeah, everybody like, Steve, like, Roman, like, no, my key issues. <laughs> Hang in there, key issues. And we're also joined by Colton. How's it going, Colton? It's going well. How are you doing? It's good. I feel like I haven't seen both of you, all three of us together, in what seems like a long, yeah. long time. It's been two months, three months? I don't know. Two, three months. I know. I, lots, a lot's happened. I think... Was it October? Like early October is in the last one we did. Yeah, uh, I got, what? I got married. You got married too. <laughs> oh, oh, nice. Wow! Well, congratulations. <laughs> Join the club. Thanks. Uh, I can't. I can't afford it. <laughs> pricey. You just gotta go for the elope. That's what we did. The elope and the Green Lantern. The Green Lantern themed wedding. I feel like it just. That feels like you know you get like a cowboy rope and you just like toss around like all right we're getting married we're doing this thing. This is it. This is it. It's <laughs> happening. I know, I still want to show you those photos. They just came through oh, yeah. of like some really good ones. My wife was very kind enough to indulge my geeky hobbies, and we had some lanterns that were green-colored in part of our wedding uh, for photos, and my buttons for my sleeves were Green Lantern logos. And the ring I'm, you've already seen is yeah. so it's really... I like it. It's a continuous brand. <laughs> you know, just committing to it. You mean cufflinks, right? Not your cufflinks. buttons. Buttons. Listen, I'm all on a loop. Brian Bendis writing has got me all over the place. Now, shame. So, yeah, we are here to talk about our next read. That this was your pick, Colton. Uh, we're talking about Jessica Jones, Alias, by Brian Bendis. Uh, we've got artist Michael Gatos, colorist Matt Hollingsworth. Uh, we've also got Bill. I'm gonna butcher a lot of these names. Sienkiewicz. Oh, Sienkiewicz. Sienkiewicz as sidekick <laughs> art. Uh, Richard Starkings and Comic Crafts. Wes Abbott, Oscar Gongora as letters. David Mack cover art. And Stuart Moore editor. Kelly Lammy associate managing editor. And Nancy Dacasian managing editor. Uh, so this was a Max series. So I don't know much about the Max series comics other than they were just more mature the more mature Marvel reads? Yeah, they, yeah, they were just the mature versions, like there was a Punisher Max and Moon Knight for a while. And yeah, just didn't have the, <clears throat> back when the Comics Code was around, didn't have the Comics Code restrictions. So w would this have been Marvel's like version of DC's Black Label and stuff that's been going right now at the yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Not, not quite as experimental, but yeah. Okay. And a normal size. <laughs> uh, yeah, and this one collects was it one issues one through nine. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, what was? And these are the first appearances of Jessica Jones, right? Yeah, yeah, very first appearance. I had so he is a Bendis creation. Then. She, she. 
<laughs> he's got me. Got me. Uh, already zing. Oh man, it's gonna be me. It's gonna be a long night of flubs then. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna keep that in. I'm not editing that out. <laughs> the like a long pause. I love seeing that on the audio track thing. So yeah, this is his. This, she's one of his creations. That's very, I did not know that. I just knew he wrote one of her stories, and it was a very popular one. But yeah, so what was the what was the draw for picking this one? Just uh, you know, I love the TV show. And I really wanted to see where all of it came from, like how, you know, whenever you read a book and you see the way it's changed within a TV show, and it's always mm-hmm. cool, cool like, see the source material to see, like, what they're basing things off of. So I think that was the big draw because her character is, I feel like, very different. She's like a dark foil almost to so many other characters. Mm-hmm. Like, she has the whole begrudging hero narrative. Um, so I was just really curious to like see what the roots of that were and like see how she was originally portrayed, and it was a lot different than I was expecting. Yeah, it looks to me like you know since we did Criminals, our last one, I believe, uh, it looks almost like that, like the same art style and like color palette. Like it feels. If I was just flipping through, I wouldn't have assumed it was a superhero comic, unless I saw like you know certain key figures that do show up during the issues. But other than that, I would not have guessed that this was. A Marvel comic at all. All right. Well, you know, we we are here now, and it's been long awaited. I did one last read through it uh, before we came up to do this one, but you want to take us away and give us give us the breakdown of the story? Uh, sure. Uh, so we start off uh, in the Alias Investigations uh, office. That's the name of Jessica Jones' uh, PI uh, business that she has, and we see her talking to a gent who gets mad that she essentially proved that their partner was cheating. And uh, instead of you know being grateful and being happy about her discovering this, he gets aggressive with her. So uh, something that we see continually in the TV show as well is uh, her window gets busted for the alias investigations and she uses her super strength uh, to put him through it. Yeah, I like, I like that after reading this, like thinking back to the Jessica Jones Netflix show and how that first episode did pay homage to this scene mm. of breaking through the window, that was pretty good. Uh, so then we get uh, police called, and uh, the police arrive, and they're asking about the situation, and we get a little bit of Jessica's backstory where we find out that she had attempted to have uh, to play the role of hero, and the outfit that she has is... Uh, terrible and they talk about that later but she has pink hair a white suit uh, with blue on it which if you've seen the tv show or if like when you read the book this is very something that we could not see this current jessica jones in her life really engaging in Mm -hmm. Uh, so there's uh she just just talks about and says that it did not fit well with her uh, and she doesn't really go into details uh but that's really all we get about her backstory is that she did associate with heroes, but she's over that and now she's being a PI. Let's see. Then after that, she goes to a bar. Another uh, one of Jessica Jones' uh, recurring themes is uh, she she gets thirsty. And she, um, I guess more ways than one, uh, but <laughs> she goes to a bar uh, and then she meets Luke Cage and they uh, hook up, and it's not really a passionate or loving thing. It's more like she's doing this to check a box. She's saying that she really doesn't have very strong emotions currently, 
um, which, you know, if you're an alcoholic, you're numbing everything all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's just her kind of like scratching that itch, uh, which I was really surprised at, like right off the bat, I feel like Bendis throughout this book is really taking this new character and trying to integrate them really well into the Marvel universe and have these like rapports with all these different characters. So it was kind of interesting seeing that Luke Cage dynamic right off the bat. I thought, is Luke Cage normally, uh, like they talk a little bit later about him being a cape chaser. Is that something that we see in other comics? Does he? Yeah, I was actually wondering that too. I don't remember that. Because they're like, oh, he had a relationship with Jessica Drew, She-Hulk, Tigra, all these people. I'm like, See, I don't remember him having a relationship with with Jessica Drew or Tigra. She-Hulk, yeah, but that, they kind of established that with She-Hulk that she's she's been around. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel I part of me was okay, might be, but it also kind of seems like the way Bendis writes too. It's like a lot of gossip, grapevine stuff in this. Mm-hmm. And then I mean, that was another reoccur- That was something that they did homage to I guess in a sense in Netflix was the Luke Cage thing I think I remember you were I was still living back hometown and I was watching this on Netflix and I was talking to you about this because you were at the gym yeah I was at the gym on the treadmill watching this show as I was running and it was very awkward because it got to I wasn't expecting the the sex scene between Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and so I was looking at me and I was telling him on the phone, what do you like say? Like, just, I was like, you have a problem with like hardcore interracial? Yeah. <laughs> I know you say to him, you're like, do you have a problem with uh, interracial love? Yeah. Uh, and then just like make them feel like they're horrible and racist. <laughs> Not that, you know, you're basically watching softcore pornography in a gym. <laughs> yeah, I like, was not expecting that. I was like, well, I'm going to cut my uh, my run time a little bit. Yeah, sure. You know, where's that? Where's the parental control, Jim? You got to watch what I'm watching. Um, so, uh, Jessica Jones, she, I don't use the term walk of shame because that sounds like really anti sex positive, mm-hmm. but she uh, leaves Luke Cage's house after their uh, flirtation, and uh, there's a a uh, blonde, very high-end-looking woman uh, in her office who's asking to hire her to find her sister, who she's not able to find. Uh, and Jessica just smokes and lets people talk. That's a reoccurring theme in this book, too, when she has her new clients. Uh, she lets them do all the talking and kind of takes it in. Uh, she always takes information with a, not a grain of salt, like a salt lamp, worth uh she does not trust anybody uh but she's gathering information she's uh trying to figure out what the relationship and what the angle is um but she decides to accept the job so she starts doing some uh digging when was this book when this book come out roman was it early 2000s i think so Yeah, I can look it up while you're going. Oh, I was just curious with like the internet research, like what that would even look like in the past compared to now. I I was definitely questioning the time period when they were going through this because there was beepers. Mm-hmm. They were talking about you know the weird cell phones that uh, they had and stuff. Like it was the Avengers. It, it was definitely a pre-smartphone era. Yeah. Um, so she does she does her internet research. I don't know. She goes to Yahoo or Hotmail or something. And she's able to eventually uh, track down the sister, and she's recording them uh, going in with a large blonde man into this uh, hotel room. And 
uh, as she's recording it, she sees this sort like that they look like that they're a couple, and she's just going to tell the sister, "Hey, she's ran off with this guy." But while she's recording, and you know she's almost done with her stakeout, uh, she sees that the person goes up to the top of the roof and uh, takes off their trench coat, and underneath is Captain America's outfit. And she realizes that the blonde man that had been with this uh, missing sister was uh, Captain America. She doesn't know he's Steve Rogers. Uh, so that's the end of the first issue, uh, is her getting in deep into a sort of Avenger scenario. Uh, so she is, she goes back to her place, and she's looking it over, and she's just sort of uh, freaking out because this is uh, beyond her pay grade. And she just keeps thinking, uh, what should she do with this tape? Because she knows that anything revolving the identity of Steve Rogers or Captain America is uh, puts her into a potential danger zone. Uh, and she, her goal is to get the job done, get paid, and then move on to her next client. She doesn't want you know deep personal connections. Uh, she takes the tape and she even goes to the microwave and she keeps contemplating. Uh, you know, putting on the popcorn setting and uh, destroying it, but she keeps going back and forth uh, be- between what to do with it or what not. I was looking. It says 2001 to 2003 for this. Wow. Season. Yeah. Wild. Uh. So then, uh, she decides. All right, you know what? Screw this. I don't even need to be involved with this tape. I just need to get it uh, back to the. Uh, I think the woman that hired her. Yeah. Uh. And she tries to follow up with them. Number isn't going through. So she's like, all right, I'm just going to go. Oh, she goes to the address, too, of the woman who hired her, and it's a baby store. So then she goes to the woman who's seen Cap, or she tries to go, and uh, the woman is found to be uh, murdered. And so now Jessica's like, oh, shit, I'm being set up. I'm being connected to this case, and it's just getting darker and darker, and that there's all these loose threads kind of this conspiracy element around her then she goes to luke cage uh apartment that he's kind of like a safe space for her but he uh kicks her out uh and it seems like it's implied that he's in a relationship and that she was like seeing him on the side uh so she's all alone and super frustrated so then she decides the next morning to go to the avengers mansion which I don't know anything about this. For a second, I thought that they were going. She went to like the Xavier School, uh, <laughs> and was going to have the X Men deal with it. So is this just like a New York Avenger base? It, um, yeah. Well, <clears throat> the mansion used to be their their headquarters for these decades until they got Stark Tower. Yeah, that's where they lived and stuff. Well, like they don't even even now. Well, I guess now in the current Avengers, they live in a giant dead space. Yeah, dead celestial thing. Celestial <laughs> thing, but even before that, like yeah, the, I don't even know where they. Yeah, they were at Stark Tower. They were, yeah, all around Avengers the place. Tower. But yeah, because then I remember they would live there. That's when Jarvis, yeah, was mainly around and stuff. Oh, I was so I was so surprised later when there was like living Jarvis. I was yeah, like, I've only ever known him as AI from oh, Iron Man. Yeah, he's Butler, man. Yeah, and I think I think he's still alive in the comics. Yeah, he showed up in. Uh, no surrender Avengers no surrender and I think yeah, no unstoppable wasp he was in there too yeah care. there was some, some other stuff going on uh, yeah like the the paranoia of watching Jessica Jones start to freak out when seeing all these things are 
becoming more than a simple spy on my mm-hmm. spy on this person and see what's going on kind of thing it was definitely interesting and in watching her you know start freaking out about what's happening i feel it i just feel like i just want to get this job done like i'm not getting paid enough for this i feel it, jessica she just wants you know get her drink at the end of the day and mm-hmm. relax um so avengers mansion uh she tries to uh talk to them so that she can offload this tape but she's uh given the boot and told to get out of there uh and not even like seen and then uh she gets brought in to the police station oh, so it's such an annoying annoying part of the book for me uh yeah i was, uh, I was really getting tired of it <laughs> uh so while she's at the police station this is uh at the very end of number of issue two she goes she's being taken in so now she's in the police station and the cop is basically just trying to wear her down and get her to uh, mess up. And he keeps uh, comparing her to other heroes, trying to get into her psyche. And eventually he implies that she uh, disassociated and strangled the uh, woman to death um, who was seeing uh, Captain America uh, because she's just unstable and uh, can't handle it. But then our freaking our knight in red glasses shows up matt murdoch uh and you know tells her to shut up and tells them that we're getting out of here and that they don't have a case which that reminds me of defenders uh in the very beginning of it is like their first meeting is it's, him coming uh sure. when she's in being interrogated I, think the, I mean it's i mean not like a iconic line i don't know but i love that it's jessica stopped talking and he does that in the defender show mm-hmm. too, which is really good but nice i like this uh but they have a more friendly dynamic than in the defenders tv show initially uh she's a little bit more trusting of him and like he shows his value right off the bat yeah. uh, and shows that he's on her side uh so he's just explaining to her that you're good they're probably not going to follow up with you again um, and we'll deal with it uh and then she has she goes back to her office and she connects with uh, Carol Danvers, yes, uh, Captain Marvel, who was one of her friends back when she was attempting to superhero Ms. Marvel at the time. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. I, I I gotta say, it's it was hard for me to associate any of the characters when they introduced themselves, except for Matt Murdock because he has red glasses. Because everybody just the art style for. Gatos, it just everything feels so blocky and older and stuff. So like it's like Carol sounds it's flattering. Like, it's it's very but like not everybody. But it's not a bad art style. It's just not it feels a very gritty crime. Yeah. Esque, but for this established universe that we've all known, it's very weird to see all these characters in this art style that yeah. I've never seen them in. Yeah, everybody looks so rough and. Mm-hmm. and <clears throat> I mean, I don't want to ugly, but... No, but it looks like the mileage is on them. Yeah. All of them. Everybody's had some late nights. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then here uh, we get... We don't hear exactly about what happened between them, but there is a tense dynamic between her and uh, Miss Marvel, Carol, which I feel like this relationship here also felt like it was kind of the Hellcat... Or uh, what's her name? Hellcat. Uh, Trish Walker? Trish and uh, Jessica, this kind of sisterly relationship but that there is tension over it that was something i found interesting as too because i honestly this is this was when you picked this one was the first time i've actually got 
I actually went and got and picked up this like in the in the show like I, I was expecting reading this oh the mom's not around anymore mm-hmm. I was expecting a similar origin story so they really took liberties in Netflix but yeah her family is kind of still around in this and there was no Trish Walker in this mm-hmm. at all uh, so when they was like doing this dynamic with Carol I was like oh that's interesting I wasn't yeah. expecting that I wasn't expecting it either but uh, I think it was cool I think that, that kind of fills the same need that the show has mm-hmm. uh, so Carol agrees to help her after not wanting to help her uh, and Jessica tells her, you know, I'm sorry for basically how I was before, but I want to let you know that I would also offer help to you in the future if, like, tables were turned. Uh, so we know that there is, like, some repairing going on. Uh, and then this issue just ends out uh, with uh, Jessica getting information from Carol and following up and finding out that uh, it appears that somebody involved in a campaign uh, – or the number that the original woman that hired her was from a campaign office. And then also Carol says, hey, I'm sorry for being a jerk earlier. Let's, you know, be friends. Yeah. Uh, well, And then talking about the Carol relationship with Jessica and how we talked about it at the beginning is that Bendis you know, is establishing her as a character in the universe. I think this is something that I found very interesting compared to some of the stuff Bendis is doing right now, introducing his characters in DC like Naomi and doing stuff uh, with Young Justice and everything else is that it is very interesting seeing a character that's new but being kind of slid into Marvel's history as being there the whole time. Mm-hmm. And like you said, having this rapport with all these characters already and we're kind of just like, oh, like they're there and it, it worked. Like she's she's a popular character now. I think it's very also... well done. Yeah, and I agree. I think it's also kind of reflects the difference maybe where Bendis is at in his career, mm-hmm. where possibly back then, you know, Bendis has his name on a book. It wouldn't be something where people would want to check it out. So he kind of maybe felt like he needed to integrate them or anchor his new character with pre-existing characters in order to, like, help, you know, get buy-in or, like, to help us in light versus now... He inserts a character and everything's anchored on that character. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, his just his status changes the way the story is being told or Bendis, the characters are introduced. Bendis is status quo. Now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, like you said, it turns, into a, it turns into a big political scandal kind of thing. Yeah, and I'm sad that they made the Democrat the bad guy. But little do they know. Uh, they just had to wait a few uh, decades and tables have turned. <laughs> I like, when I mentioned that, I was like, ooh, he's not going to like that. I'm not. Oh, it's okay. It's fine. Um <laughs> Listen, Democrats <laughs> and Republicans can be completely different things in the MU. Yeah, they can. It's, it's it can be the complete opposite. It's like a bizarre world. <laughs> maybe originally Ben was like, you know, maybe I'll make Trump the president. No, that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe that. <laughs> oh uh, so uh, the beginning of this issue has a bunch of news coverage that's happening while Jessica's in a bar, and we essentially see that uh, there's a presidential candidate named Keaton who uh, likes to rub elbows with the Fantastic Four and Cap America, and that a lot of people have issue with that. You know, the whole classic, oh, you're going to trust masks and capes over you know people who live authentic true identities. Uh, it's always that like in comics that power balance between I found that, normal government and then superheroes. I found that like a very interesting debate where I would have loved to have heard more about it, just not in this yeah. anymore. Because I, after like, I read like, the first couple panels, I'm like, it's very interesting and I would love to dive more in, but wrap it up. Like I want to yeah. know what's going on in the plot. Like it, That's very cool though that like, 
that is a big thing and that is something that's talked about in like civil war mm-hmm. like the registration act they're about to do that again with like the young teenage heroes uh like the champion heroes that just got announced in solicits where they're doing a registration act for young heroes i think the public opinion and you know political opinion of heroes is a very interesting thing I was just it always goes back to like even goes like to Watchmen he like thinks before that so I think it's it is a re- pretty reasonable argument that if there was something similar to that in reality if we had some sort of superhuman people that that would be the same question mm-hmm. uh, so we see that you know the talking heads were on TV within a bar that Jessica's been drinking in uh, she breaks a cup uh, shot shotgun a shot glass uh, in her hand and uh, she doesn't get injured. So does she have some level of invulnerability? Or is that just no, her, she's so strong that it didn't hurt I her? she does. I mean, I don't... I, well, they even mention it later when she threatens a bunch of people that are pointing guns at her. Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't know if I'm actually bulletproof, but I'd rather not find out yeah. this way kind of thing. And in the show, she mentioned... I mean, we could be pulling up Wikipedia, and I could do that now. But I don't know. I know she. I know she can jump pretty high, and, can, and like you know, she does that. So I'm assuming she, she can, has to be pretty sturdy. Landing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but in the TV show, or the yeah TV show, she talks about how she's not invulnerable, like mm-hmm. Luke Cage's kind of thing. But yeah, there's got to be some. There's got to be some. Yeah, she's stronger and tougher than a than a human. A human. I don't know what her origin is. Well, that's what, actually in contact with experimental chemicals. I was gonna oh, say yeah. uh, that's actually something that they bring up for the first time, kind of in this uh, scene, is uh, when the bartender is kicking her out. He sa- he calls her a mutant, and she says, "I'm not a mutant, you racist." And that's the first time we kind of hear a little bit of reference to her origin not being a mutant. So, yeah, which they, is kind of interesting that we don't like we haven't actually really gotten the Jessica Jones backstory, and we really don't in the first trade in these nine issues at all. Which is kind of smart writing. Like, there's like a little, you get little peaks of it, but you don't actually get it all laying like a zero issue or something like that. Uh, so she goes to the office uh, for the President Keaton candidate, and she finds the uh, beautiful blonde woman who is originally uh, hired her to find her sister, the woman who died. And I love this, uh, these two pages when she first sees her, because like, the woman's look of shock in her eyes is so great, and then she tries to run away, and then you just see Jessica ominously, like, floating above her. Like, it's a panel, so she's going to fall next to her, but that this woman is just doing everything she can to escape. Uh, and then the woman, uh, she tries to call a guy who's a lawyer uh, when she's trying to escape from Jessica, but she passes out, so Jessica is able to get the contact information for the guy that the woman hired her for. There's a lot of a uh, inception. There's a uh, schemes within schemes. Uh, I'm excited to read more of the Alias series, and I don't know if it's all going to be in here because I like the Wikipedia doesn't like list each thing. But it'd be interesting to find more. She was able to fly previously, but since quitting the heroine work, it has degenerated, and that's why she has trouble, like doing it, and has trouble landing. She has some resistance to damage, but can still be severely hurt. Uh, and superhuman strength, a little bit of durability, and psionic protection thanks to Jean Grey. Oh, and that's nice. that's about it. Uh, so that yeah, that's interesting. But it's all from chemicals. Wow. The typical thing. The t- like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle goo. I like the fact that 
the show kept that thing too, like with her jumping down off of, you know, two or three stories maybe. Mm-hmm. She was a uh, very very angry in that scene. I love that. Breathe heavy. I thought this lady passed out in this scene mm-hmm. too. Oh, we're we're a little ahead of you. Sorry. All right. Well, at first, I thought she like. You're dying talking. because of the phone call. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 we're, yeah. Hey, we're, no, I'm ahead of you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, thought she, I thought she passed out from, like, freaking out from this lady who just jumped from, like, multiple stories yeah. and just, like, was unconscious, and then she goes into the lawyer's office, like, she's dead. Oh, is she? What? Yeah, she, that's what they, she says. Oh. Well, that's not good. Yeah. All right, so uh, she goes to the lawyer's office. Apparently she died. She didn't just get spooked. Uh, and she's... Uh, confronting the lawyer and the lawyer hired the woman in the campaign office who hired Jessica but the lawyer was hired by another person so there's four degrees of uh, money being passed that Jessica can't trace who actually hired her what's the uh the thing they did in that rick and morty episode with the highest like when you reach like six levels of contrivance you explode (laughs) like i hired you to hire this person to hire this person but i hired them to hire you to hire me (laughs) son of a bitch i'm in (laughs) uh so jessica she same good old strategy uh she scares him and then she follows him in order to uh figure out who the actual person who hired the lawyer is uh but while she's getting that information, she gets uh, attacked by the person who most likely actually did the killing. The strangler. Uh, he had big meaty claws. Dude, those claws uh, are just for strangling <laughs> people. It might just be. Maybe that is all they're for. Uh, so Jessica uh, beats the fuck out of this guy. Yeah. Uh, very satisfying to see. And then she uh, is bashing his face, and she's finally able to get the name of the true original buyer so she goes to the location where all evil uh large business decisions are made golf courses um (laughs) the dude golfing off of a a a dead body (laughs) i mean it's it's definitely uh like one minute it's a mood one minute it's there and one minute it's not which i thought was very interesting jarring it wasn't yeah nowhere in sight yeah i i was questioning that too first thing i thought she brought the guy she beat up with her as like proof that she's a badass but that was not the case yeah i was like when i thought when i thought of that first because it makes a wump sound oh yeah but that, yeah so there's no indication of it and then yeah, there's also the person behind him the lady on the phone and it looks like she's dropping her phone yeah and like you, she, yeah, she had so to have thrown this guy because you look on the other panel there's no body there okay and then i was like okay well if they didn't take that top panel where it shows the the, the green then maybe you could cut away to see that he's golfing on someone. But you can even see that the ball's on the ground for two of those panels still. So she must have thrown a body. Yeah, she... I'm guessing it's the... It's very badly done, but clumsily done. But yeah. yeah. She threw the body, it landed on top of the ball, and just as he was making a swing. But yeah, it's really... I think he even, like, rough. golfs off of it still yeah. anyways, though, at the end. Pretty chill. <laughs> yeah. uh, so... Uh, he rolls the ball out from under next to it he's like that doesn't count as a stroke don't put it on my car (laughs) (laughs) uh so jessica shows up there and uh you know this dude and his goons they pull out their guns but she uh demands to have a conversation with them and the guy reveals that kind of his master plan was to use her in order to sell the captain america tape in order to indirectly mess with the keaton campaign uh because 
there's like a concerted effort to get him out of office so that this top guy they can have somebody that they control that, in place exactly uh it was, and it was very like like we were saying like there's layers of people that he was getting it to all go through to get to jessica to just release the tape it wasn't even like just to get tape and show that to start a controversy and like a like a whole scandal and that way he wouldn't have to get his hands dirty and he yeah he calls her out on it's like oh i mean you you caught me but who's gonna believe that i did this like i'm the one that went through like several people that mm-hmm. finally got to you to like do this like that's insane and that uh, he's gonna use his corporate power to if she comes out about it to just destroy her reputation yeah i also like how indignant she is she's like why does everybody think i was just gonna sell this like sell captain america and they're like oh, you're so lush uh but she is like i never even thought about doing that uh, so everybody's uh, kind of pissed. So she keeps being told uh, by this guy, just release the tape. It'll be good. You'll get your money. You'll be happy. Um, but she refuses to do so. Uh, let's see. So then uh, as she's leaving, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. comes, and they start shooting at the guys in the distance. And she's just at her house. Oh, and it's revealed that she's been being bugged. Uh, bugged this whole time. I'm not going to lie. This was a pretty... <laughs> what, are you going back to the heist movie? No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> I guess I'll have to... I guess I can wrap it up once we get through like this first part. Because then there's like the whole other Rick Jones story that happens mm-hmm. after. Uh, but once we finish this part, then I'll, then I'll <laughs> say my piece about this. Uh, so it's turned out she's been bugged basically since the beginning. Uh, so they got the whole speech by this top head bad guy. Uh, and she'll take him out. So she's back at her apartment, uh, and she destroys the uh, bug. And all of a sudden, uh, our favorite uh, man with the shield, uh, Steve Rogers, pops up and says, Hey, thanks for like not outing my identity. Thanks for showing, not letting people see America's mm-hmm. ass. <laughs> and uh, he gives her a lot of kudos and says, You know, um, you have a lot of loyalty and goodness in you that you don't give yourself credit for. Because uh, she keeps sort of downplaying herself and her yeah. own like sense of dignity. Even offers to uh, like say if you ever want to come back to the life, like mm-hmm. do yeah. it. We'll be there. I also the only thing I thought was kind of weird in this scenario uh, was that he didn't seem too beaten up about the woman who got murdered that he knew. Yeah, well, that's where I was gonna say my thing. Now that like we're done with the first six issues. I've been thinking about it more, and like I talked to you about it before we started recording. But for Roman, like. I've liked, I've liked some Bendis works, and this this will also play into my like score at the end of it. I've liked some Bendis works. I oh. thought Secret Invasion was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed uh, uh, Infamous Iron Man. That was really cool, and I liked mm-hmm. Bendis that he did. But especially with some of his DC works right now, this book had a lot of a lot of tells that still show where <laughs> this plot. I was like, oh man, I can't wait to see how Jessica Jones comes like like resolves all this and stops all of it it's just like she didn't have to do anything like oh someone bugged you and shield's gonna go take care of it and it's just over i was like oh okay so it was but it like also led to like it's very different than the other superhero books and she is and it's not and she already doesn't want to be that superhero but just felt so anti-climatic for all this build up and how is she gonna get past all this stuff and then just like, oh, no, it's already over. Like, we, we got it all. But you could also make the argument that if she hadn't been so fervent in her efforts towards pursuing the truth, 
they wouldn't even got to the position where they had the recording where they could do the resolving. <laughs> it's just, it, I don't know. I was just, I was a little. It just seemed like such a give me after like the whole thing of like she pursued it, yeah, but it's just like literally like, the person confesses to all of it right there. Oh, you've actually been bugged. Like <laughs> we're here. <laughs> like oh come on. <laughs> well, maybe there's like some like really nice little like subtle paneling in the beginning where you you see her getting bugged. Like a hand on the shoulder or something. I tried to look. I didn't see anything. Because didn't it say Carol bugged her? Was that? No. No. I I wasn't finding who bugged her. It just says, you're going to be mad at me, uh, but we've had a bug on you since the the crime scene in Manhattan. But, like, how? (laughs) Like, who? Maybe Daredevil put it on her. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I thought the Steve stuff at the end was, like, very touching and, like, yeah, like, that, you know, the goodness of her is still there, like, whether she downplays it or not. But I was just like, oh, man, like, six issues to, like, six issues to just done like that. You know, it happens. So, I so, guess. So now we're in issue seven. Uh, this is actually maybe one of my favorite, like, scenes in the entire book is just this, uh, she's at breakfast with uh, Carol and they're just shooting the shit. And Dig talk about dating and just like gossiping about heroes. I did like that she was recommending Ant Man. I that, oh yeah, Carol that, was like, he's she was pushing. He's a cutie. I was like, oh, I could not. I was like, if I have, have I not heard of the Scott Lang Jessica Jones relationship, and where is the fan fiction for this? I mean, I feel like it'd be pretty good. It'd be very uh, uh, Chris Pratt, Audrey Plaza in Parks and Rec. That's what I was gonna say. Like, can you imagine like that? Just like. Scott Lang MCU with Jessica Jones Netflix just constantly just shaking her head. I think I think that'd be really good. Like you have a scene where like he does this really elaborate heist and then like somehow he gets captured and she just tears the door like off of a room and then saves him. Yeah, just like she like, didn't need to do any of the planning. <laughs> <laughs> makes fun of heists. Uh, so they're just talking and then uh, Carol needs to go, uh, and so she is then. Uh, it cuts away. <laughs> it cuts away, uh, and she is posing as a uh, as a gay man as a gay man uh, in order to fish out a client's a client she has who's a woman has hired her to verify whether or not her husband is having an affair. So we get some really uh, steamy uh, messages. Jessica, she knows the lingo. She knows how to get the men's. Uh, so we get a little bit of that, and then let's see. So yeah, between trying to catfish this guy for this lady, uh, that's basically all that's in those pages. You got that, and then like oh, I gotta go to the bathroom real quick to like, hey, like here's Malcolm, another character, yeah, just just in, as, in just, the house, yeah, just like in the apartment. A, just a really uh, charming manic pixie guy, home invader. Who decides to become her assistant and push himself on her doesn't take no for an answer yeah. uh, and so he just is there and then they're talking and he's not giving anything to jessica so she kicks him out and then her next client, uh, her next client shows up uh jane jones uh who's married to a rick jones says name yep uh who is saying that he's she's related to Jessica through marriage because Rick is her cousin or something. Uh, and uh, Jessica agrees to take the case, but she has red flags everywhere, especially after her last uh, 
complex case that she got roped into. Mm-hmm. So uh, she does a thing where she smokes her cigarette and she listens to everything, uh, but she's still a grain of salt, not really believing uh, the case, but still wanting to help. Uh, and then after that, we get kind of our first uh, taste of Jessica's relationship with her mother that we haven't really had anything at all. And it seems like... Uh, seems like it's the relationship that she had with the Trish's mother. Yes. On the show. Uh, where she's calling to confirm whether or not uh, this Rick is within her family. Uh, but it seems like uh, the mom is very quick to take things personally or... Uh, uh, they, they just have a lot of uh, back and forth fighting, very unhealthy communication style. But uh, she's able to confirm that uh, this Rick person does not seem like they're her relative. So she then uh, goes to a bookstore and she finds out Rick Jones uh, was a, a sidekick. He wrote a book. He's, he's been around for a long time, right? Oh, yeah. Like, like she's a. Incredible Hulk. He was there at the Hulk. Actually, mm-hmm. the reason that he became the Hulk. Hulk. I saw that in because, like, throughout this, there's a couple pages uh, that look like they're the next like issues, but they're pages from his book. Mm-hmm. He talks yeah. about it, and like, yeah, he was basically the responsible reason why the Hulk is the Hulk. But I had no idea that he was so thoroughly connected through other Marvel heroes that he was trained to become the next like Bucky, essentially. Yeah, and he was. He, so he was Captain Marvel, or he was like a. He he was. If he wore the yeah, he quit hanging out with the Hulk, and he met through the Hulk. He met the Avengers, became sidekick to the second Bucky, the third Bucky. Talk talk about a a, a cape chaser. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a total cape chaser. Yeah, through them he met Captain Marvel, 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 and then they ended up somehow. So it's like when a he, thing where they they Rick would clang his wrist together, and they would swap and, places. And yeah. He would switch bodies with Captain Marvel, who was in the negative zones, and then Rick would be in the negative zone. Okay, I had no idea. After I... all that, he hung out with Rom Space Knight. <laughs> oh my gosh! And then he became a bomb, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. And then, and then he became depowered. Yeah. And then he showed up in Falcon, Captain America Falcon, and he was like a. He was a, what do you call it? a cyber revolutionist? Basically, like he was the man yeah. behind the computer for Sam. They didn't know, and he was like giving Sam intel, but he was on the run. That was so, kind of funny too, because in the original Hulk issues, there was this group called the Teen Brigade that were teenagers all across the country that used CB radios, mm-hmm. and Rick kind of was their inspiration. It's kind really? of cool that he ended up becoming a cyber revolutionary. I'm so. Well, he talks to me. He's like, "Yeah, I, I had to hide in this bunker, and I had nothing to do but read like hacking for dummies books and stuff, <laughs> and that's what he did." Yeah. I think that's very interesting. Kind of almost a bummer for a character that's been around for so long to kind of not be showing up in comics a little bit more anymore. There's a lot that are like that, that go to the ether. They go to the ether, but for a character to have such like a, like you said, cape chasing, like he's moved as a side character for the Hulk to Captain America, to Captain Marvel, especially for like basically being like a, a body replacement for Captain Marvel. It's very interesting that the character has kind of by the wayside, I'd be I'd be surprised, and I'd actually kind of want to know more if he did like a comeback kind of thing. Well, and he had a minor rock and roll career. That's oh, true. I well, kind of guess Margot, who is I guess redhead, is not this woman, but uh, current issues of Immortal Hulk, he's oh, he's kind of back and he's kind of not because he everybody's been gamma radiated, uh-huh. so he's basically immortal. They all come back from the dead oh. at some point or another. And he's, he's there. back, but he's not. He's not mentally back. Oh, <laughs> interesting. 
I'm really excited to pick up a big collection of Immortal Hulk. I've been waiting on that one. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, I'm sure they'll eventually restore him to full full thing. (laughs) I would faculties. Yeah, I would love it. I think that's like a. I think that's an interesting character to revisit. I would definitely throw money down to explore a character that's had such a history. You saw the sidekicks now. I do love sidekicks. I do love my side character. the Kree Skull War and the Avengers back in the late 60s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. Basically, Rick Jones is the reason that he, that the war ended. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they, they talk about that a lot. They talk about it yeah. in this, and I kept yeah. thinking of Secret Invasion the whole time. I was like, but there was no Kree. Oh, I was so yeah. confused the whole time. Like, when did no, Rick Jones a, show up in this? This is their first big major. This, mm-hmm. this was me This was event. me trying to think that this was all, like, Bendis, like, incorporating his, like, events and his characters doing things. All in one thing, but no, it was like that. I need to get that Kree Scroll War book. That's good. Go back. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, so Jessica is just reading her book in, I'm guessing, Central Park, a park. And uh, a powered individual who can read, who can detect other people's powers, comes up to her and tells her she has an orange aura. Uh, and then through that conversation, uh, like the woman, she has. Who has the detection power? Uh, she has. They have a misogynistic friend, who then tells Jessica that they see uh, Rick Jones uh, down at a local like concert hall, and he plays all the time. So she's like, "All right, thanks, bye. I'm gonna go see him." So she heads out uh, to that concert hall, and he's shredding. Uh, everything's going well. And then she tries to talk to him uh, afterwards, and then all of a sudden uh, they're out in a alleyway, and he breaks out a his guitar <laughs> and threatens to attack her with it. Uh, and he's claiming paranoid. Oh yeah, he's paranoid. He thinks that uh, Cree are after him because he's a Cree war criminal in their perception. Um, so she tells him, "I'm not a Cree." Uh, I'm just here about your wife and he goes on this whole rant about how he loves his wife but his wife's uh, crazy crazy, and that's why he doesn't want to go back to them and that he needs to figure his stuff out before he goes back to his wife and then Jessica's like alright I'll help you figure your stuff out so you can go back to your wife uh, so then they uh, wow they're just talking a lot uh, they eventually go to the Fantastic Four building because she wants to meet with Mr. Uh, fantastic because she feels like he has enough clout to be able to get uh, Rick Jones out of his Cree uh, pickle but uh, they're not able to get seen uh, by Mr. Fantastic there's a really poor uh, and slightly creepy AI secretary I think who refuses to let them see so as they're heading out of the Fantastic Four Tower uh, Rick Jones just sort of bolts and we don't know what happens to him and Jessica loses track of him so then in our, I think our final issue, uh, she uh, goes back to the office without uh, Rick and the uh, other case she's working on with the gay man who's cheating on his wife. Uh, he wants to meet with the uh, catfish person that Jessica has, and he proposes that they meet at Starbucks. So she uh, speaks with Jarvis. Uh, she gets a call from Jarvis after taking a little Jessica cat nap. Uh, and Jarvis is like, uh, yeah, that guy you're talking to, that's not actually Rick Jones. It's a guy who thinks he's Rick Jones. Uh, and that Rick Jones has been fine this whole time. He's off in California. So she's like, well, this sucks. Uh, 
and then Malcolm shows. Same. My thoughts is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Malcolm Jones uh, then pops up and he's annoying, and she kicks him out. He just keeps insisting that he needs a job, and she says, "No." Uh, so eventually she finds uh, Rick and he is with his wife and they are super happy and together and Jessica is like, okay, case closed, <laughs> stamped, and then uh, heads out. Uh, and then she goes to the Starbucks, uh, which I'm surprised they called by name uh, in a comic book, but she goes to the Starbucks and uh, she has this like pretty nice conversation uh, with the guy with her target and they have a conversation about the idea of like why people engage in like self-delusion and what happens when the delusion gets to the point where it takes you all over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he seems really nice and good. And then she basically just flips the table and is like, get real. You need to do, take your advice. Uh, and then he leaves. I like the way when as he leaves, he sort of like teeters. Yeah. Like he like you can tell that he's nervous. Oh. Uh, <laughs> And then we get this sort of transition, which I think is the first indication of Kilgrave. Uh, I'm not sure about this character, but we get her, I feel like it's like a flashback, and she's talking to this guy, uh, and like it seems, I would assume it's the it's, flashback. It's Rick. Oh, is it Rick? Yeah, yeah it's Rick. Okay. Because there's a part, it just seems like she's really eager in the writing, but also there's like a part when he asks her to hold on to something. So that's why I was thinking it might be Kilgrave. Is yeah, he's asking her to watch the guitar while he's oh, okay. in the bathroom or whatever, and then he basically just bolts, I guess, is how I took it. I was very confused at the end of that because then she's kind of just looking off. Uh, I was I was very confused by the end. Okay. Well, now I'm, I guess <laughs> I'm confused now because I thought it was like a cool, like, her going going back to the whole idea of, like, her being in, under mind control. Yeah. But no, I, I was wrong, and I guess it just – is more Rick scenes. Yeah, I I don't know. Like I don't know what what yeah, did you think I it was. Sure. It was very. I don't know if he took off or if he went to the bathroom and then yeah, came back. But I was under the impression the conversation I, was the only part. I was I was under the impression that after talking with that the the doctor and he was saying like that fantasy thing that was a flashback of her calling Rick out essentially somehow in his con or he felt this fake Rick was feeling called called out by her and then mm-hmm. he's like I gotta go but I don't know it was very confusing and then when it did that whole okay so when it did that whole Jarvis thing it's like oh that's not even Rick Rick's in Rick's somewhere else he's totally fine I, I was rolling my eyes I rolled my eyes as soon as you were saying it again too mm-hmm. it's like oh my god it <laughs> just feel like really non-committal to you it felt very non-committal this uh, which will go into my thing to go back to something I really liked is to be more specific on Rick Jones stuff that I would buy is if they did this Rick Jones uh, sidekick book, mm-hmm. like an actual book, I'll buy it. I love this. I love this section where he talks about his time with the Hulk and how he feels really bad about it. Because um, uh, he's like, "Oh, it was Bruce who convinced me that though I was in the wrong place at the wrong time for about as wrong as a reason as you could possibly imagine, it still wasn't my fault that Bruce made the the conscious decision to run decision to run out into the desert and try to save me." Bruce knew what he was doing more than anyone alive could have known. Bruce knew he was putting his life in jeopardy. Do you know why he did it? Because he's a hero. That's what heroes do. They put them. They put you before themselves. If there's anything truly tragic about what happened to Bruce, is that it's the soul of a hero, a brilliant hero, trapped inside the body of a monster child. And to look into Bruce's face, even after all that shit he's been through, and to hear him say that he doesn't regret saving my life the first time, it is to truly know what it takes to be a hero. I think about this a lot, which 
what it means to be a hero. I certainly have been around enough of them. I think that's like really, really powerful because like, yeah, I couldn't imagine, especially through his journey, like just give me a Rick book. Like this sounds so fascinating. <laughs> like, the, like the guilt, like the grief of that, like the responsibility and then like having to chase all these capes, but like learning these lessons to all of them. Oh, that's I more or less I walked away from the Jessica Jones book. Why oh, demo we're at Rick Jones? Like, where's a Rick Jones book? Like, can I get that one? Yeah, I, I here we are at the end of the book, and I guess I'll start. And you, the way you summed it up in that sentence is, yeah, I felt I liked Jessica Jones, and it wasn't a bad book, but it felt very non-committal through both stories that it was telling, and I felt like there was the opportunity for Jessica to rise to the occasion. Like, she was doing good, but then, like, everything kind of just was taken care of without her having to, like, explore her take care of it kind of thing or do the things, Mm -hmm. which felt kind of almost, like, I know she doesn't want to be part of the hero business, but it almost felt kind of how the writing, like, how the writing, like, the police characters, like, all kind of talk badly about her, like, expect her to do something. It's almost like the writing was like setting you up to expect her to do something but then just took it away kind of thing but do you think that might have been the point is that is that because she's not one of these number one heroes it's more she is a gear within a system rather than a sort of institution on herself that can you know solve problems i guess but then at the same time too i feel like the bendis stuff that i've experienced now has felt either I feel like are, are you bringing your uh, Bendis baggage <laughs> to this Bendis, book? I think my Bendis baggage <laughs> is book because we're going to talk about Bendis speak. Uh, what about you, Roman? Like, what were you, what was your thoughts on the well, read? Well, it was funny because I was trying to try and check my Bendis baggage too. Because like the guys on, on the other podcasts, they always make fun of me, bring it up how much I hate Bendis. And I, you know, I don't hate him. No, I don't There's hate him. His Batman universe, I think that's it's good. He's written. Um, it's yeah. but yeah, his. I feel like a lot of his characters sound exactly the same, and they do a lot of this. Uh, I think Jagger calls it the Bendis two-step, where they step on each other's lines and yes. talk in circles and everything. Which that was a problem. Do that. That was the problem I had with the Superman and Action Comics books. Was yeah. it was hard to keep up with Action Comics because everything felt like everybody was stepping in each other's lines, and I couldn't keep up with like what was happening in the conversation because they keep like cutting each other off when it's like oh no you go first no you go first I'm like what is happening or they change subjects and then with Superman it's where this was like very non-committal he was very committal to where this he had to integrate a character into the universe it was with this with Superman and stuff it was he already had the character and now it was integrating his changes for the character into the universe which I've said like multiple times is like I I love the idea when he teased like Superman leading instead of just being an inspiration. There were so many changes that felt so out of character for a character that's already established. Where I had a tough time. So everybody was really excited for that Superman eighteen, and I've been really excited for that. But I was excited for that eighteen issues ago when like Superman issue one first came out, and I couldn't. I I made it fifteen issues, and I was like I can't. I can't anymore because like the bend to speak was so much and I had that problem going into Legion of Superheroes was I was just talking with another person is people felt like it was hard to identify any of the characters to understand why these are 31st century versions of the 30th century versions 
what makes them same but they can't identify that because everybody's kind of speaking yeah. in his in the Bendis style like they all sound like the same generic height like teenager and everybody's talking it's kind of hard to know what's going on it's it's very very tough in and different it, moments like, like I realized that the only reason I'm <clears throat> kind of enjoying that Legion book is because I'm an old Legion fan. I used to read I, Legion. I was excited. Heroes, like in the, you know, eight, all through the 80s, mm-hmm. late 70s, sold. And that's my connection with it. But I realized if I was coming to this cold, I'd be so confused. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yes, back on track. Um, no more, mm-hmm. Yeah, you got you to gotta rein it in on my Bendis. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, it's funny, and I did, I did this backwards because I'd seen like the first two seasons of the Jessica Jones show before mm-hmm. I ever actually read any Jessica Jones. Hey, that's where we were. Um, well, I, that's where I was. Which made it a little funny for me because the art, I kept on, I still constantly picture that actress as Jessica yeah. Jones. So a lot of this, I was like, that's, that's not Jessica Jones. That's also just kind of matching color purple everywhere and that definitely was not in this book. I was, I was <laughs> yeah, that, I kept on waiting for the purple man. That's what I was expecting and, picking it up too. I, I was like, I oh yeah, I can't wait to see how purple man's yeah, in this. Yeah, volume two, I don't know. Yeah. I, it was funny. It was, this was kind of rough, kind of awkward. And I realized, oh, so this volume one, it's about, I guess it's about Jessica Jones, her emotionally and who she is and all the, the cases and stuff are just kind of side stuff to the real story about her. Cause well, yeah, a lot of the side stuff, I, I never got the impression that she was that good of a detective or, or like mm-hmm. you said, that she resolved. Well, she even mentions that really. she's not like even, she even mentions she's no, like, there's nothing really out like out of the extraordinary of her detective work she says like even a monkey can do mm. this detective work by just going to any site she's like and that's what i am is like basically a monkey she just happens to you know when needed like has the extra superpowers to do a couple different things yeah. it's like help her out but that's about it yeah but there were things like whenever she was bugged there were some things i thought oh come on Bendis, that was too easy just throw that in there okay we accept that, that happened at some mm-hmm. point and but I think that was because his real story is about her. Yeah, mm-hmm. which you know, which I did like the dialogue with her and Carol. And the yeah, that was with her and Rick. That was all good because it's the Rick it, Jones book pages. Those yeah, were my favorite parts. Exploring the, the characters' personalities more than the plot, and that like it could be actually you know, the Purple Man obviously is a thing in these stories. So you know, book two or volume three could be the actual like instead of the way it was told in this could be more focused on now how does Jessica Jones deal with an opposing character to where. We're just seeing her go through what she normally deals with with her job, mm-hmm. her as a person kind of thing. Yeah, I'm interested to see, like... I'm curious, I haven't yeah. read any future volumes of this, well, past, future Because mm-hmm. um, I am curious, because now she's so well integrated in the Marvel Universe, and I don't know if that's completely because of Bendis' writing over however many volumes of her series existed, or if that's... Like four or five? I think so. After him? I, know, I know there's a full, there's an effort full omnibus. Yeah. Because now, you know, now they, spoiler, if anybody didn't know, you know, her and Luke are married. And I thought that was kid very and, interesting, especially her dialogue when she talked about Luke and they're just having, like, a one-night stand, essentially. Yeah. She's like, he can do whatever he wants, but, like, he's going to feel bad about it or he'll feel good about it. Like, it's whatever. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, they have a kid. Yeah, I like, I like that narration where she's like, yeah, he'll feel guilty about it because he's a good guy, but he'll get a little smile about it, too. Yeah, there's four, four, <laughs> it, it four traits. realistic. It was. I think, you know, it's hard since I haven't read the books after this or the trades, but I know the show where I feel like I do appreciate, though, the character. If like, we're assuming that like there's the same like kind of 
the purple man like mm-hmm. that's like what's caused her to deviate from like wanting to be a hero and making her like more of a broken person because we still see her not accepting pay we still see her trying we still see her being a successful detective like you know captain america telling her oh you're doing great things yeah. and like so i feel like it's hard for me to say that like oh she's a bad detective or she doesn't do these things because it's also like the tone where like she's like kind of like a deflated person and with like her own self-esteem so it'd be really interesting to see the future books to see like how much of that is actually accurate how much of it is her just like not valuing herself or like the fallout of like what she did go through yeah yeah Yeah, i did enjoy this more than i expected to because i i kind of because of ben's writing i didn't expect it though i i do say i don't like michael garris's art yeah the art was a little rough for me uh it's just very very rough and there's yeah, it definitely like, your comparison yeah. of after reading criminal and stuff like i definitely made those comparisons as soon as i opened it up like, wait like i had to double check the cover and like i grabbed the wrong book in the middle of the night i mean it wasn't bad it just it felt very different and there's nothing wrong with that it just wasn't a draw for me because there was moments like the golfing yeah. scene like where it felt clunky mm-hmm. and i was hard to keep it was hard to catch what was going on uh but the story like it wasn't following jessica's character wasn't like that was interesting that was the most mm-hmm. interesting part of it more than the plot because i heard like you said it's non-committal but like her as a character well it's not really like explore more of that there's not really antagonist in this first set either yeah. it's more just the jobs just the jobs and how she her feelings towards it and the, the interaction she has with him but it's not the jessica jones story if that makes sense like none of this seems like it would be something where like you would get like big homages in the future. Like we have like little Easter eggs from like in the TV shows, but it's not like you would say, "Oh, that Rick Jones case is like foundational to this character's God, backstory Rick or something." Stuff. That was so great. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that was that really got me reading those side pages. I also think it's interesting because I wouldn't, if I were to think about these issues coming out now, where this isn't like the plot, like this is just the character. I, uh, I wouldn't be sure if this would be something that would be that would have made it for trades in mm-hmm. if it was just a story on this character i feel like the way things go right now with like issues because i mean we've had i mean i've seen that now like through my experience collecting comics with like the dc introducing all these new characters and some of marvel stuff like even characters that are already established when you're trying to do these stuff with stories it's kind of hard to just break the put ice in, yeah put in a new character break the ice well, I wonder, and have them go well, i wonder too uh I should have done some more research about like when she gets integrated to the defenders. I think that would probably be a big thing that like uh, which would probably break her into mainstream like recognition and wanting to know more about it. Wasn't it just the Bendis defenders that she was in the defenders? I don't think she was in yeah any other defenders. That only happened because of the Netflix TV show. Yeah. Oh really? Oh shoot! I really I I love her as part of the defenders. It was great too. Yeah. She was amazing, and you know the highlights of that was just her and Iron Fist sitting in a van, and she hates Iron Fist so much. And even the Luke Cage Power Fist, or Power Man and Iron Fist comics that came out a couple years ago, is also just great because it's a lot of Uncle Danny coming to visit, and she just hates him. I, I feel like we all, you know, have those people in our significant yeah. other's lives where we hate. You know, like their friends or something it's like so that. Sweet. They're like a person. Like, hey, how's it going? She's like, I don't like you. It's <laughs> like, oh, hey, like tell Jessica I said hi, Luke. He's like, he didn't say hi to her on the phone. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, poor, poor Danny. Uh, well, okay, so if you to give a rating number, 
because that's how you know we've been doing things at the end of all this. Uh, where would you, where would you put it, or do you want us to go last because this was your pick? You know, I mean, I final verdict. Uh, no, there's no final verdict. We're all equals here. Uh, I feel like I would give the story itself like a seven or a seven point five. Like it's not bad, but not necessarily anything amazing. But I love the character so much. Yeah. I'm I'm very I have like very strong fondness of the character. Oh yeah. So it's like the character is in my head is like a nine or a ten. Like I think it's like a brilliant character that's so different than anybody else. But the the story womb that she was crafted within originally in these issues was not the best. Not strong. That's a, good way to, that's a good way to put it. Uh, that's pretty much exactly how I feel, actually. Yeah, yeah I was thinking even before you said that, I was thinking, uh, seven, I guess, yeah. I'm at, I'm at a seven, two. I, I think the character herself was the biggest draw. Also, the Rick Jones stuff, you know, I'll give that an eight. I'll give that an eight out of ten. Uh, Rick, Rick Jones uh, issues. Uh... Rick, the, Rick jo- the pages of Rick Jones get an eight out of ten. My only problem was I didn't get more, so it lost two points. But... Yeah, if Dennis wanted to write that book, it would have to be like a short, you know, I'd be there. Like, Bendis, it's no dis- if he is ever listening to this, it's no disrespect to you. I find a lot of your stuff good. I struggle, I've struggled, and I'm hoping to break that break that struggle with your current works. But if you ever do a Rick Jones book, please, s- sign it. Sign five of them. Give them to me. <laughs> uh, seven, yeah. I mean, the art wasn't really for me, but I love the character. Like you said, I have a fond- like Colton said, I have a fondness for this character. And it was good. The story just around it was kind of weak, but it's not like it didn't draw me to immediately add the second volume to my cart. And, you know, look forward to picking that up and then reading that sooner than mm. later. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm glad we visited this because this is a great character. With the Netflix show and ended essentially, I'm Rip. hoping that we'll see her on screen in some yeah. fashion sooner than later. Once the all back. All Indicating that maybe Mike Coulter wouldn't be back as Luke Cage, even if they do bring back the Luke Cage show. Yeah, I was that sucks. He did great. Yeah, he was great. I loved him. He got bulky compared to when he was in that uh, Halo mm-hmm. Reach TV show. Oh. He was not as bulky as he was yeah. in that. It was great. Um, so I know because we it had been a while, but we were establishing for the next one because we've all kind of went back to a pick. Is we'd go back to doing one where we let like the community decide for this one. So we were reaching out to have everybody pick a book to be voted on, which we will, uh, you and I will work with Jeff and Django, and we'll have like a voting system set up again and have enough time for us to get a heads up. Uh, I messaged both of you. I can't find your message, but you mentioned yours would have been, uh, what was it, Witches Volume 1 by Snyder. Do you still want to go with that as your pick? Uh, or do you want to pick something else uh, if, you need, if you need a minute? I don't know. Well, I, I, as a proposed option. Uh, was, yeah, it was for October, but we got, yeah, I got married and there was a lot of different things <laughs> happening. Um, I'll, I'll do mine now right now if you want to give a second to think about it. Uh, the one I'll put up to, to vote on to read will be the Drowned Earth event that just came out recently. I was going to do All New Duke because I just really want to push All New Duke at some point, <laughs> but I'll just do Drowned Earth as my vote because I it's Aquaman based and I really did love that book. Didn't we do, what was the Aquaman one we did? No, that was... Um, we did uh, Throne of Atlantis. Throne of Atlantis, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, we. I mean, there's so many Aquaman books I could just throw in there, but I, I'm trying to like you know, n- not put a strong, strong beat on yeah. what my preferences are. So I'm gonna <laughs> just sprinkle it in. But yeah, the Drowned Earth one, I, I think that would be a fun one to talk about because 
it just came out not too long ago. I, I've heard mixed opinions about it, but it, I loved it because it was an Aquaman story, but the art was super beautiful, mm. and I want to revisit it now yeah. that it's completed. Did you read Ocean Master last week? Oh, yeah, I did. I, I did. I did a, I did a mini review. Right yeah, now. I, I've gone. I have the full spiel. Yeah, I the whole spiel. I loved that it. It did a lot of paying respect to him as a character and not having him bend the knee to Lex Luthor. It kind of established him as a Black Adam type character, where he is a nation leader essentially and kind of doing his thing and only a threat if you come at him. But it also kind of cleared up the whole thing with the Mira Queen of Atlantis which I love that series but I did not like that last second betrayal on him for a dumb reason then all of a sudden say but can I go back up to my family <laughs> no but I love that it, yeah it filled in the blanks of what he's been up to since Drowned Earth what his whole thing was you're the villain because I was I was wondering what his gift would be and it wasn't a gift it was him earning his things without Lex telling Lex to go piss off and establish himself and then still kind of going back to that family thing of Aaron and Tommy and keeping them in by essentially saying well Tommy's already called me dad yeah. I really like that kid if he wants to come be my like heir to the throne he's totally in for it if he when I come back and visit so I think that's a really cool future story to, that I hope they commit to because one it's very different for him who's been so what would be the word? Like, he's very Atlantean, and he mm -hmm. hated surface dwellers previously. What would that, like, xenophobic? Yeah. yeah. He's very anti-surface dweller, and then he kind of got some affection towards those people. So I think it's very interesting to have him have such a strong bond with someone that's not blood, that's not from Atlantean, like, origin, and acknowledge this kid as a potential to be his you know successor and i think that mm -hmm. that's something really cool to explore because then that's something that you could see with maybe potential aquaman's kids storylines aqualad i think i think there's i, I think yeah. there's ground to run on that or water to swim in that mm -hmm. <laughs> plus i'm a little curious i mean that that poor woman oh well, poor aaron i know breaks it breaks her heart keeps on yeah, breaking, breaking her heart, her heart. And it's like i might like, i, mean, I might i'm taking her son <laughs> I, I with his consent with the kid's consent well yeah but not like i'll yeah. say he can't give consent if he's not yeah. 18 that's why he said he's going to come back in a couple years. So that's why I'm hoping they commit to that. Yeah, I mean, I would have loved if he just went back and been, you know, happy happy ocean daddy, and that was kind of an Aquaman person, He like an Arthur person, a person that Arthur and Aqu slash Aquaman could go to as a, like a confidant, as a brother, kind of really change the dynamic, but they want to have him still in the game in some capacity as a villain-esque person, so... I think this was a great direction. I love that Dan Waters did that. Uh, so I'm yeah, just, I'm just imagining. I, I want a DC animated show now called Ocean Daddy. Ocean Daddy <laughs> is. Ever since they did the Mirror Queen of Atlantis, Ocean Daddy has been where I've stood with calling him now because they did so many panels where they just really detailed his butt and it just like being a dad. He's like, oh, going fishing with my son. I'm like, Jesus, God, I have like, I'm like, do I have a comic book kink for bad dads? <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like you should explore this in therapy. <laughs> I mean, think about it. I was like, man, I really love Batman. He's such an asshole. To, like, his Robins. It's true. Throws him to the wayside and just gets a new one. Like, man. Or you get something new. Get something new. Yeah. I'm just yeah. thinking about it all the time. Like, I, love it. I think I have a comic book kink for dads. <laughs> there was some Batman comes out. It's like Damien, uh, his detective, calls out Batman or something. He's like, you know, it's 
because he there was a case with the Martha Wayne yeah. orphanage. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, it's disturbing that you have whole buildings now of like backup, potential backup Robins. <laughs> God damn it, dude. That's so good. Uh, okay, well, has it given you time to think of a book you'd pick? Uh, I was thinking of two options. Okay. Uh, the first trade for Ascender or the first trade for East of West. East of West or Ascender? Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know which one. Oh, wait, you mean Descender or Ascender? Uh, the first one. Descender. Descender. Descend. Going, going down, you yeah. Descend before, before you can go descend. up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which one out of those two seems most appealing? Uh, I haven't read oh. East of West, but I just recently, a couple months ago, finished the first volume of Descender again. Mm-hmm. So that makes it my third read through it. Mm-hmm. And I really like it. I really like it a lot. So, I mean. I haven't read either one, and I got it. I'm glad to read either one. I'm yeah. leaning a little more toward East of West just because I love Hickman so much. It's Hickman. All right, so let's do East of West, East of West. then. Yeah. We can make we can find time for. Because I haven't read it, and if you haven't read it, and he hasn't read it, then it'd be like I more of a fresh if it got yeah. did get chosen. There's a lot of books, you know, mm-hmm. and there's half the population to read books, <laughs> so we can we can do that. What about you, uh, Roman? What would be your vote? Your um, vote. And the reason you never found a message for me because I forgot to ever reply to you. About it. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I didn't remember until like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Um, I haven't been thinking about it. How about Manhattan Project? Yes, I like that one. Well, oh yeah, that's also Hickman, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know which one. I don't know anything at all about that comic. <laughs> I should. Is it about the development of the nuclear weapon? Is if um, it? I hope so. That was like one of the projects. Okay. The only one we ever heard about, but there's a whole bunch of the premises. There's a whole bunch of other secret projects. I love it. Okay, if, sold. If they, <laughs> if they weren't selling Hawks Pox in a giant hardcover and they had it in trade, I would put that as my third, mm-hmm. as my pick, because then we could call it the heaping helping, helping of Hickman. <laughs> and then we could just do quick reviews of all three. Oh. Yeah. That would be a lot, though, because then that would be three books we'd have to get. Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I'll stick with Drowned Earth, but I wow. love the idea of doing a heaping helping of Hickman at some point. Maybe that'll just be that the title of that'll, that'll just be a title of a Hickman book mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, we will put that up on a vote uh, pretty soon on the Comics Place social media. So keep an eye out for that on Twitter and Facebook on their Facebook page. If you have any questions regarding the book alias or any comments. You can reach us at infinitycontentcomics at gmail.com. That's infinitycontentcomics at gmail.com. Uh, I was just double checking to make sure we got emails. None yet, but if you would like to leave us questions or comments regarding Alias, Jessica Jones, Volume 1, that's infinitycontentcomics.com, or just about our upcoming books, whatever one we vote for. And as always, we will see you next time sooner than later yeah. bye bye